Good morning, BCC. Uh, so my message uh, this morning is entitled, A Call to Follow. A Call to Follow. And we're looking at the occasion that Jesus walks on water, which then inspires Peter to walk on water as well. Now, I have quite a big aim today. And my aim is to try and bring some fresh perspectives to a very famous story. Uh, It's a very well-known story, and it's been preached a lot. But I'm still wanting to aim to bring you guys something fresh, something maybe a little bit different. And so this message this morning is organized around five things that I see Jesus doing uh, over the passage that George uh, read for us a little bit earlier in our service. And I'm also going to make suggestions around five reactions that we can have to each of these different things. So, let's just get right in. The first thing that I notice about what happens in this passage is that Jesus prays, and our response must be that we pray too. If we are are going to be copying Jesus... If we are going to be following Jesus, and he is somebody who prays, then it makes absolute and proper sense that we pray as well. Now, we're not told what he prays, just that he prays on his own. He prays alone. He goes up this hill. And my guess is that he was praying for some of the things that had already happened on that day. And in that day, he had a bit of a roller coaster of a day, if we're honest, because if you go back to the beginning of Matthew chapter 14, what you find is is that Jesus is trying to mourn for the loss of his cousin, John the Baptist, the greatest man who ever lived in Jesus' words. But Herod has had John the Baptist beheaded, and he's lost his cousin, and he is grief-stricken. And so that's the opening to his day. And then he's trying to get away and sort of process that grief And a whole load of people follow him to this remote place, and he has compassion upon them. He he can see their need, and he performs one of his greatest miracles. He feeds 5,000 people. And he, he somehow manages to switch gears from being very, very sad to, I see there's a need, and I need to meet that need, and here we go. Let's provide. Father God, would you help me do this? And he does that, and he performs this incredible miracle, and so perhaps... That night, when he's up the hill praying, maybe he's thanking God for coming through for him and helping him serve that need. Perhaps he was praying for the disciples that he has just sent across the lake. Maybe he's praying for them. He sent them on ahead. He's insisted that they go ahead of him to the other side. And maybe he's praying for them. You know, Hebrews 7.25 tells us that Jesus always lives to make intercession for those who draw near to God. And so it makes sense that Jesus is praying for his disciples uh, as they make this journey. Now, it's not in the text, but I like to imagine perhaps Jesus was praying that one of the disciples would come to him on the water. Maybe he prayed something like this, Lord, would you cause the one on whom you would build your church to be the one to take the risk of coming out on the water. Maybe he prayed something like that. Maybe he needed God to show him who that person would be who would be the first to take that risk and step out. Our response, if Jesus prays, is that we must copy Jesus and we must pray. It's a core part of our call to follow that we pray as well. Now, if you want to see God do amazing things 
like helping people walk on water, raising very, very sick people from their hospital bed to, to wellness, then you know what? You need to pray. You must pray. Am I right, church? Yes? Now, sometimes I kind of approach this from a slightly different approach, and I, I ask God in prayer to do something that cannot be anything else but him alone. I don't know if you've ever done that, but I like to pray and ask God, look, God, would you do something where you are the only explanation for the thing that you've done? That there can't be any other rational explanation for it. So, in that vein, I'm going to tell you a story. On the 15th of December last year, we had an amazing night as elders and pastors. Uh, Helen Yousaf, that lady who's that ministry with singing and art, she came and she ministered to us as, as a team. The Holy Spirit was very strong uh, in the cafe. We had an amazing evening. And at about half past ten, Chloe and I decided to drive home and uh, uh, go and sort of uh, take the babysitter home. And we arrived outside our house at about half past ten. And as I got out of the car, I heard this person calling and saying, uh, will someone help me? Please, will someone help me? And it, they sounded like they were in real distress. And so I kind of checked both ways for the traffic. We live in a house with a lot of kind of, well, there are three-story houses on both sides, loads of flats, lots of, lots of uh, places around us. And so I sort of stepped into the road and I said, uh, is anybody there? And there was no response. Because I was trying to locate where this voice was coming from. So I said again, is anyone there? Can I help you? And there was nothing. And I kind of turned to look to Chloe and sort of, did you hear that as well? And she went, well, yeah. And we waited a bit more and then... We thought, well, okay, that person isn't going to call anymore. So we went inside the house, and Pastor Mark's PA, Kim, was sitting for our boys, and Chloe and Kim got ready to take Kim to, to her house, and they got in the car, and they drove off. And uh, about 10 minutes later, the doorbell went, and uh, I opened the door, thinking it might be Chloe or Kim. I'd forgotten something. But no, there was a young lady standing there. And instantly in my spirit, I knew that it was the person who'd called out for help. And I said, did you just call out for help? And she said, yeah, I did. And she, then she said this, God's told me that you're a pastor and I need to come over here and pray to get saved with you right now. And I'm like, what? You are like, well, I wasn't like that. I managed my face very well. I didn't do that. I have to confess, at first, I thought it was some guys from B1 having a laugh with me. I mean, that is the dream sentence any pastor wants to hear. Well, any Christian wants to hear, really. I couldn't believe it. I very, very quickly backpedaled in my mind and realized it was real. This lady wanted to be saved. And God had shown her, I guess through calling out on my response, I was the person to go and see. Isn't that an incredible thing? And so I prayed with her, and then we, I said, now listen, my wife's out, so why don't you come back tomorrow, and we'd love to talk to you some more. Now, she didn't come back the following day, but she did come back in a few days after that. This was just before Christmas. Um, and we prayed with her and talked with her, and uh, Chloe gave her her mobile and said, listen, get in touch with me. And then we were able to give her a food bank parcel at Christmas because she was living in one of the flats opposite us uh, with her sister, and she wasn't in a, in a great space financially, and we, we were able to help we invited her to Christmas Day and said, listen, you can come with us if you want to. And we, we, I gave her a card as well at one point, said, hey, listen, why don't you come to church? And I kind of feel released into, into sharing this story with you now because they've moved out now. 
And, and my prayer would be that they do find a church, that she finds a church, and she comes to a church like BCC or another church where she can be involved in fellowship. I don't think you can work out your salvation on your own. You need a church around you, don't you, church? So when you think of that lady, I'm going to ask you this morning, whenever you think of that story, would you pray for her? And would you pray that she either finds her way to BCC or to a local church, wherever she's moved to, and that she would walk on in the Lord? That is an incredible thing. That came about as a result of praying, God, would you do something that I can't explain by anything but you? Prayer is incredible. And Jesus prays, and something incredible happens in this story. Now, who here, let's just have an honesty moment, would say that they find it easier to crack on with working on something before, rather than pausing and praying about it? Okay, I'll go first, because I'm like this. I will just crack on with the thing that needs doing, and then I might add in a prayer as I go along. Now, I'm starting to learn it's best to pray first, and then get on with the thing that you're doing. And that's been such a discipline journey for me. I can see you're all high, all you, all you achievers and you strivers and you workers and you, you definite people are kind of relating to this point. So this slide is for you, okay? This slide is to remind all you hard workers and achievers that you need to pray first because God is going to help you. Which of these situations would you prefer? Pray for a while, all night, and then walk on water? Or would you like to strive really, really, really hard for like six or seven hours or ten hours or whatever it was and get to the same destination? Can you see the value of prayer from this graphic? Can you see that? That Jesus spends time in prayer and he walks on water. The disciples do not spend time in prayer and they strive for ages. And do they arrive at the same destination? Yes, they do. Let this be an encouragement to you people, particularly who are the ones that jump in and crack on with stuff and get going and get working. Please pray first, because you will get just the same distance, if not further, with God on your side having prayed first. Just a quick encouragement for you. So first, Jesus prays, and so must we. The second thing I notice is that Jesus models what to do and gives us an example to follow. And if Jesus models what to do, or what can be done, then we need to copy Jesus. In fact, I would go as far as to say that the call to follow Jesus is always a call to follow him. uh, Sorry, it's always a call, excuse me, to copy him. Now we notice that the apostle Paul says this too. Copy me as I copy Jesus. We sometimes hear him say in his letters. Are we confident enough of our call to follow Jesus ourselves that we could genuinely ask people to copy us as we copy Jesus. Do we have that confidence? That's the test. Jesus forgave those who conspired together to have him crucified from the cross itself. Now the disciple Stephen copied Jesus when he asked those who were stoning him in Acts 7 that it not be held against them. Let me share you a little story. A lady called Ethel Lance lost her life in a shooting that took place in the Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston, North Carolina. Now, Ethel Lance's daughter very courageously decided to copy both Jesus and Stephen and offer the person who'd done the shootings forgiveness for what he'd done. Now, she fought through her tears to speak directly to him at the court hearing, and she said this, You took something very precious away from me, 
And I will never talk to her again. I will never be able to hold her again. But I forgive you. Whatever it is that Jesus does, the call to follow involves copying him. It could be something small but meaningful, like washing someone's feet. It could be something hugely courageous, the biggest ask you've ever seen, like forgiving someone for something tragic that they've done wrong. Or it could be attempting something as incredible as Peter walking on water. Peter copies Jesus and has a go at what Jesus is doing. So a call to follow Jesus is always a call to copy him. So first of all, Jesus prays, and so we must pray. Secondly, Jesus models what to do, and we need to copy him. Thirdly, Jesus encourages us, and when he does that, we must be bold. We need to be bold. In verse 27 of Matthew 14, we have some great words from Jesus. Really great stuff. Uh, Jesus says this, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. We heard uh, George read that for us uh, earlier. Now, I did a bit of work on this verse, and there are some great and godly nuggets uh, to encourage you in here. Number one, notice how Jesus speaks at once. He doesn't delay in giving a response. When When you want that kind of response, you want that kind of help, Jesus is straight in there. He responds straight away to their question, to to them asking uh, about him. Secondly, he says, don't be afraid. I don't know if you know this, but this command, don't be afraid, appears in all 66 books of the Bible. I think if God tells us something 66 times, we should take notice of it and try and build it into our system and go, okay, I won't be afraid. Number three, he then says what we will have translated as take courage. Now, I did a bit of work on, on, on this particular word. I was drawn to this, and it's a great verb in the Greek. Uh, it, it's the word tharsete, and it means radiate warm confidence. Radiate warm confidence. And it's derived from another word, related word, tharsos, which means to make bold by the Lord working within you. So in other words, with the Lord working on the inside of you, you are then able to give out or radiate out a confidence. And it's a warm confidence about things. It's an awesome verb. It's an awesome word. And it's incredible that Jesus says that right in that time. You can have warm confidence, chaps. It's me. I'm here. It's okay. Number four in this phrase, he uses a little construction in the Greek, ego, amy, which means I, I am. And what that does is it links him with the I am of the Old Testament, just straight. It's like a kind of subtle proof of Jesus' divinity and the fact that he is God. You know when like Moses says uh, to God, so who do I say is going to send me to Pharaoh? And Moses says, uh, sorry, God says, say that I am is sending you. It's that I am that Jesus is saying here. It's exactly the same phrase. It's the same phrase of, uh, of, of I am when in John eight fifty eight where Uh, The Pharisees are having a go at him, and he he says, uh, before Abraham was, I am. Last of all, number five, about this individual phrase. The language and the the image involved is a direct mirror of Job, chapter 9, verse 8, where God is presented as walking on water himself. So in Mark's version of this story, what you see is 
uh, you have this puzzlement about, like a lot of scholars have looked at it and gone, well, why? Jesus walks on water and then he makes as if he's going to go past. And like, you're thinking, well, Jesus, that's not very caring because these guys need you and you're going to walk past. But something very special is happening. He's, making, he, he's walking past as though he's going to pass by. And this is a link to something further on in Job chapter 9, where it says that then God, after God has walked on the waters at the surface of the sea, he then passes by. And so what, did, what, what Mark and Matthew, well, particularly what Mark is trying to do in his version of the story is to say, look, this is God. If you know your, your, your Job story, you will understand that I'm making a reference to God. This is God himself doing this. It's the same passes by that is used when Moses asks to see God's goodness. And the goodness is so great, God says, you can't look at me directly, otherwise it will kind of, well, it will destroy you. You won't, you won't survive it, but look in the place just where I have been where my, when my goodness goes past. And what you, what you have to understand is that for Mark and Matthew's audience, that's exactly what they're hearing. And so they've got five assurances from God through, through Jesus that, it, that it's God on the case, that it's God that they're seeing. You know, like Mark in his account, it's saying as though, like as if the walking on the water is not enough. He's saying, this is God. Take heart, it is God. And I think Mark and Matthew's audiences will have understood that. So first, Jesus prays and so we must pray. Second, Jesus models what to do and we must copy him. Thirdly, Jesus encourages us and if he does that, we must be bold. Fourthly, after all the encouragement and assurance, Jesus calls us. And our response must be, do you know what? It's time to step out. If Jesus calls you, it's time to step out. Among all the disciples, it's Peter who imagines first, I wonder if I could do what you're doing, Lord. Now I've worked out who you are. I wonder if I could do that too. And it's Peter who kind of gets there first in his thinking. He's the one who dares to think it. So, let's approach this from a slightly different uh, angle. Here's a picture of Luigi. Uh, Luigi has decided to gatecrash my message this morning, by invitation, I guess. Why is he here? Now, I've noticed a great illustration of what God does for Peter as he steps out on the water from a very unlikely place, from one of the levels on the Nintendo game Super Mario Galaxy. Okay? Go with me on this. Now, I got my son Simon to do this level again, uh, and I filmed it on my phone last night. So you can see the illustration for yourself. So watch the screen a minute and look at what happens.
So here is the spiritual truth behind that clip. It's as Luigi steps out that the platforms appear for him. When you play that level, you're not sure what to do. But as you start walking forward, suddenly the platforms appear. And that's how you solve that level. As you step out for God in boldness, God will step in to support you. So if you've prayed like Jesus has prayed, if you're attempting to do what Jesus does by copying him, if you're being bold because Jesus has encouraged you, then if Jesus calls you, be assured that he will provide the platform on which you can stand amidst all the uncertainty. Lastly, and number five, Jesus catches us when we start feeling uncertain, and when he does, we need to hold on. Peter's focus shifts, and he starts slipping, doesn't he? And he cries out to Jesus, save me. Now, while researching today's message, I found this wonderful painting by a Russian artist. I'm going to try and pronounce his name correctly. It's called Ivan Ivazovsky. And it's from 1888, and it's of Jesus walking on water. Now, apparently, Ivazovsky was particularly well-known for painting scenes with the sea or water in them. And here, it looks as though Peter has kind of started to slip, and he's reaching out. And Jesus is, is just standing there, and he's about to reach out to Peter. So here's a thought that you might have come to hear this morning. Have you ever noticed that Peter is not only walking on the water when he's keeping his gaze on Jesus, but he's also still up above the waves because Jesus has hold of him? Do you get the difference? So whether you stay above the waves because Jesus has inspired you to walk on them, or whether you stay above them because Jesus has grabbed you by the hand and he's holding you there, you're still above the water. Now, those are two different states, but you're still above the water. Now, I know so many preachers have said, keep your gaze on Jesus. And do you know that's absolutely true? Uh, I was talking to Chloe about uh, this message, and she reminded me that her granddad uh, helped her improve her cycling greatly when she first learned to ride her bike by telling her to look up and, and look ahead. Look at the thing that you're going towards, not look down at the pedals. You look down at the pedals on a bike, you're going to wobble and fall off, aren't you? But if you look ahead, somehow the magic of cycling takes over and it works. I love the fact that even when we think we're about to lose it and slip beneath the water, Jesus grabs us and holds us secure. How many people are held in position today because Jesus has grabbed them And he's on his way to taking them to a more secure place. And this has to be encouraging to some of us who have taken a risk for God but suddenly feel like it's too much. You know, when we went to uh, Samuel Hospital, Pastor Mark and myself and Coyote, and we prayed for uh, Celia at Chipwete on Tuesday night, I've got to tell you, we were really worried, weren't we, Pastor Mark? And I know that James, he was here in the first service this morning. He was in a position where Jesus was holding him from slipping. And I I felt it in my spirit. And sometimes we are in a situation in life where we just, to stay above the waves, we need Jesus to be holding us. It's not about some great dramatic thing we've tried. We're hanging on because Jesus is holding on to us. So, Jesus prays, we must pray. Jesus models what to do, we need to copy him. Jesus encourages us, so we must be bold. 
Jesus calls us, if he calls us, then us, our response needs to be to step out. And lastly, when Jesus catches us, we need to hold on to him. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I reflect on this story and I think that what Peter did was monumental. I mean, it's like incredible what he did. You know, other than Jesus, no one else in history has walked on water. No one at all. And I think we can be sitting here or, or, or responding to this today, and it'd be so easy for us to say, well, that could never happen to me, little old me. Why would that happen to me? So we need, to li- we need to, a way to live out this story somehow, in a way that we can approach it and we can tackle it. And I feel like the Lord's given me a way into this story so that it's not so far off from where we're all at, that we could have a go ourselves. And, and, and the approach should be this. Why don't we couch it like this? Why don't we say, do something that you've never done before? Why do you unlock this, this story with a, a do something that you've never done before attitude or approach? Because if you think about it, in essence, that is all that Peter did. He responded in all the ways that Jesus hopes we would respond, but he had a go. And so it kind of boils down to this. Are you willing to do something that you have never done before? If you are, your discipleship journey, your call to follow, will take a quantum leap upwards. It will. And if you're willing to have a go at something that you've never tried before, in your own way, you will be just like Peter in Matthew 14, where you're at with your thing that you've never done before, your thing that you find hard. Now, to help you in this, I've created a poster. You might have seen this poster when you came into church this morning. And it's got 100 suggestions for ways that you can be like Peter and do something that you have never done before. Now, there are four copies of the poster up in church. There's one just outside the auditorium here. And there are two downstairs in the lobby. And there's one in the cafe. And here's something that I would like for us all to do once the service is over. I want you to find something on the poster that you have never done before yourself And I want you to take a photo of that thing on your phone. And then I want you to post on social media that you're going to have a go at doing that. Now, I don't want you to be cynical about some of the things that you might see on the poster. You might might read through the list and you might think to yourself, well, that's a bit ridiculous. I'm completely fine with praying out loud. Remember, that might be great for you, but there might be someone else that finds that their really, really big thing that's going to be the big challenge for them. So someone else's stepping out of the boat thing might not be yours. Equally, you might find some of the things, such as watching the film uh, War Room. You know, you might think, well, hey, it's just a DVD. I could do that. So I would say, well, do it. If you haven't, watch the film. You know, we watched that film as a church, what, 18 months ago now, Pastor Mark, something like that. And I was really encouraged by that film. And that film inspired me to keep a prayer journal every single day as much as I possibly can. First thing in the morning, get in my prayer journal, pray for things, and write them down. And I sometimes send those prayers to people, and they get very encouraged by them. You know, that, that, that sequence of, I thought, yeah, I'll come and watch the film, why not? Really encouraged by the film, started a prayer journal, war room of my own. Started praying crazy things in my prayer journal, like, God, would you do some things that like, can only be explained by you? This girl turns up on my doorstep and says, I want to be, want to be saved. I mean, there's a s- series of steps here, aren't there? 
Maybe find a thing on the poster that makes you tingle with excitement at how impossible or how ridiculous that would be for you. I've personally been praying that these hundred things will be like a hundred tiny seeds that will kind of take root in our congregation and that they will grow into mustard trees of fruitfulness for Jesus across our city. So find one of these posters after the service, read through the things, take some photos. Do you know what? There's an item on that, on that poster that was the thing that made me decide to become a pastor. There's a book on there called The Purpose Driven Life, and I started reading it in 2003, and I didn't even finish it, and I thought, man, I just need to go and be a pastor. And I went to see Pastor Mark. He was my pastor then. And Pastor Mark said, yeah, apply to Bible college, do it. There are some dynamite things on that poster. There are also some very easy things to try. And there are also some things that you might think, oh, this is going to be big. Why don't you have a look at those things and take some photos and have a go? Because as Pastor Mark has said, this quarter, we are going to be stepping out. We're going to be doing some things. I would love it if there was a whole load of spiritual fruit out of today. That's been my prayer. God, would you do not just 100 things, but 5,000 things across our city? We're not quite done yet. A couple more points I want to make. As you place yourself in a space of being willing to do something you've never done before, then I'd suggest and put it to you that two more things might happen. Number one, you might do something only God can do through you. Now, what I mean by this, and the the style there is to kind of represent God's blessing and favor upon what you're doing. What I mean by this is that as you step out, God might step in and he might achieve something through you taking that step that he's been longing to achieve for a very long time, except no one was willing to give it a go until you decided to give it a go. So as you take that step beyond your comfort zone, God then provides that platform, just like we saw Luigi getting on that game level, and you're away and God is able to work under you and through you and minister to needs and to people. That's the first thing that might happen. In fact, I'm pretty sure it will happen. The second thing, this is a bit more rare, but you might just do something no one's ever done. Now that will be rare, but it's not impossible. Peter did walk on the water. People have walked on the moon. What is it that God could do for the very first time in human history because you decided to do something you've never done before? It's no accident that the disciple Peter himself, he writes this in later life, the guy who walked on water, he writes this. Because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature. I'm going to ask the worship team just to come up. And I'm going to ask you all to stand. Would you all stand with me? The experience of Peter as a disciple was someone who took a risk in God, heard Jesus call him, stepped out of the boat, and ended up doing something absolutely astounding for Jesus. And with Jesus and because of Jesus. The call to follow is an invitation to share in God's divine nature and do miraculous and incredible things. So our worship team are going to uh, 
going to start to lead us in worship. And I'm just going to put the slide of the five things from that passage up on the screen. And I'm going to just encourage you. Any way that you might want to come out and receive some prayer. So Jesus prays. Maybe you want some ministry for your prayer life. Maybe you want to start a prayer journal and see some crazy things that God can do. That you'd love that. Jesus models what to do. Maybe there's some things that Jesus is showing you to do them and you just need that, that impetus to, to start doing it yourself, to start copying him in that way. As Jesus encourages us, maybe you just need that prompt to be bold, to be more bold and to take that step. Maybe you're one of those people in the workplace that you kind of need to say to your work colleagues, do you know what, I go to church. Hey, do you want to come with me? Maybe it's time in 2018 that you took some real risks in God. Maybe it's time you took a real risk in God and you put everything on the line with him. You said, it has to be you, God. Otherwise, this isn't going to work. Well, maybe this morning you are in that place where you know Jesus has got you by your hand and that's the only thing keeping you from disaster. And you want someone to pray with you about that. Let's sing for a bit. And if it's one of those things applies to you, please come forward. And our prayer ministry team would love to pray with you.